I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of today's gospel lesson. From the gospel according to St. John, listen for the word of the Lord. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see and believe in you? What work are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Lucas and I have broken somewhat of a cardinal rule about preaching, and that is, you know, a few minutes before lunchtime, asking worshipers, what is your favorite food, right? What is it you like to eat? But since we're talking about the bread of life, why not? What is your favorite bread? Rye bread? White bread? Wheat bread? Cheese toast? Texas toast? Hot donuts now? Yeah, somebody said yes. Yeah. Just this past Sunday, uh, Susan and I were sitting at Decatur Street in New Orleans listening to big band street jazz while eating beignets, where? Cafe du Monde. It was sacramental, y'all. It was like church. I'm telling you, all the birds and the animals and strangers and guests and rich and poor and people from all over the world, and we were breaking open beignets to while the saints go marching in was playing. And it was like a blessing of God's grace. We had so much powdered sugar on it, we wore it the rest of the time we were down there in New Orleans, right? Oh, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. We crave, we crave certain forms of bread. As many beignets as I indulge, by the way, I used up all of my feast days in that one sitting, you know, for the whole rest of Lent. I used them all up right then. As many beignets as I ate that day, and as much coffee as I drank, and as much as I absorbed that entire moment, guess what? In just a couple of hours, I was hungry again. I was wanting something more to whet my appetite, to quench my thirst. Supposedly, we spend about eight years of our lives eating food. Did you know that? Eight years. I'm probably more like nine years, eight years of our lives eating food. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of eating. It's a lot of food. And if that is true, if we think about that which makes our mouth water and we crave it and we, and we just desire whatever you're thinking about in your minds right now, pizza. Do you, you remember the, the, the rolls at Quincy's restaurant? I've been craving those all week and there's not a Quincy's to be found. Who knew? 
The question for today, as we think about these words of Jesus, I am the bread of life, what is the difference between being full and being satisfied? It's a question posed in our, our corollary book to this sermon series, The God We Can Know, and the author of the book shares a, a familiar story to so many of us. How many of you at late night or you know, during basketball timeouts, you go to the, telev I mean, to the refrigerator and you open up the doors and you stand there? You've done that? There's a halo orange or some apple slices. There's some leftover. There's some hummus and carrots. What do I want? And we just kind of sample the rest. If you do like me, you do that and then close the refrigerator doors, step about three feet to your right, and then you do the same thing in the pantry. Oh, look at all of the choices. And we snack and we feed and we want something sweet, something salty, something, something crunchy. What's the difference between being full and being satisfied? For what do I hunger in those moments where those doors are open and I have all of these options? Do I sample it all? There's a great irony here. We tell ourselves that in order to be satisfied that we need to be full. We need to fill up on whatever our craving of the moment is. And that's not only a statement about food. We think our, our bank accounts need to be full. And one of the things you think through is like many a lottery winner and financially successful individuals have found themselves satisfied for the moment, but then depressed or suicidal, isolated from friends, from family, and from community. They're full, but they're not satisfied. Or maybe they're satisfied, but they're not full. We think our homes, you know, need more accessories and furniture, but we spend more time at work and at play than we do at home, so why do we need more stuff? How many suits does a minister need? How many golf clubs, how many car keys, house keys, boat keys do we actually need before at some point we say, I want more. I'm not quite satisfied. Or I'm far from full. And if that's true of, of our bodies and consumption of food and drink, that's true of, of, of certain intangibles that we feed ourselves, then it's certainly true of, of our souls. Because no matter how much we earn, how many toys we have, no matter where we travel, we're always going to want more. And we ask ourselves, when is enough actually enough? When will I feel this deep peace, this contentment in my soul? And let's be honest, I mean, there are certain tendencies that left unchecked can become dangerous trends. If you think about alcoholism and addiction, how many drinks are, are enough? Is it one? Is it two? Is it six per night? And then the same thing the next night? How many packs of cigarettes? How many clicks on a website? What is enough? When are we ever satisfied? When are we ever full when it comes to spending or addictive behaviors like gambling? or working long hours. What is true of life and those things which we possess and those things which possess us is, is also accurate about our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'll ask it again. What is the difference in being full and being satisfied? What is the difference between being full and satisfied? Life is it's full of tangible and intangible items. Our, our lives are full of noise and news feeds and different screens and, and worries about bills and worries about the future, fear-mongering, paralysis from fear, dissatisfaction from that which we can't control. These intangibles become tangible when they take possession of us. 
And they become almost like demons that need to be exercised or cut away so that we can have more focus. That's the season of Lent. Our past, it fills our minds, it clutters the closets of our hearts when the, the weight of guilt and shame are allowed to possess us. Our calendars are full to the point that we're double booked, triple booked at any moment. And Lent, my, my friends, is the time for us to step back and to say, stop, hold up. God did not design me to be this way. God did not design us to be this way. As a child of God, I can be full and satisfied. To do that, we have to make some changes. That's what Lent is about. To do that, there's an emptying or a shedding of self to be filled up and to be clothed in the righteousness of, of Christ. But it requires hard work. It's disciplinary. We don't like that word, do we? The rigors of discipline. To be full, we have to be empty. To find life, we have to sacrifice. To be poured into by the grace of God through the church, we have to pour ourselves out for the sake of others. And so I remind us, as a child of God, you, are, you can be full and you can be satisfied. And we center on these words of Jesus, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never be hungry, and anyone who believes in me will never thirst. Our overarching question for Lynn is, what do you have in your life that cannot be reduced to ashes? You might want to write that down, type it in your phone right now. What do you have in your life that cannot be reduced to ashes? That which is reducible to ashes leaves us feeling temporarily satisfied. But life's irreducibles, faith, relationships, joy, the grace at work that instowers life right now, irreducible to ashes. It lives on forever. Those are the things that fill us and satisfy us. This statement, I am the bread of life, it's such a simple metaphor. It's a universal statement. It's, it's timeless because every culture knows and understands what bread is. It and water are, are the two basic building blocks for, for survival. And what do we really know about it, though? Think about it this way. The ingredients of bread, as you know, a little bit of water, some flour, and some yeast, and those basic ingredients and the process for, for baking bread has not changed in, in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. The recipe and the process do not change. It's, it's interesting, right, that Jesus Christ, the great I am with skin on, said, I'll be all the bread that you ever need. And by the way, the recipe and the ingredients will never change. The bread of life says, I'm all that you need. Why are you trying to feed your soul with so many other things? Why are you allowing your soul to be fed by fear and, and anger and, and so many other things that take our focus off of God and off of one another? Jesus doesn't say, I, I'm the great I was or the great I will be. I'm the great I am. I'm everything you need right now. Right now in this moment. Now, granted, I have to be honest, I think he had King Hawaiian communion bread when he said this statement, right? Like, I, in the original Greek, that's what it says. I am the King Hawaiian bread. You'll need, never need any more communion bread ever, ever, right? But taking one step further, you know, think about it this way. Bread in our culture, unfortunately, tends to be a side dish and not the central component of the meal. That's how it is in, in the Middle East and other parts of the world. They have family-style eating. You have flatbread, you have pita bread, and you take that and then all the other meats and vegetables around the table, they find their way to this piece of bread to the host. 
which feeds and, and nourishes and is shared. Bread for us, though, is, is not the main course. It has its own extra plate, its own extra knife, its own separate basket, whether it's rolls or crackers or whatever the case might be. It made me think a lot this week, even the centrality of, of bread at this meal. Kind of hard to have communion without bread. Can you imagine it being just kind of a, an add-on? So it's made me think a lot about my relationship with Jesus during this season of Lent. I hope it will you too. How often do we make Jesus, the bread of life, a side dish rather than the main course? Rather than a, a condiment, the bread of life wants to be the host, to invite and to gather all who would come in whatever shape or form or from lot of life, whatever you've been through, to come and to host and to absorb you and to feed your soul to hold a variety of saints and sinners together to be nourished. So what is the difference between being full and satisfied? For what do you hunger? Where do you place Jesus, the bread of life, in your life? Has there ever been a time when you were genuinely hungry? Now, we can think about that figuratively. Yes, I was so hungry for this job, or I was so starved for attention. I was malnourished by a void of companionship at this point in my life. But I want to think about deep hunger. Have you ever truly been deeply, profoundly hungry? Because if you had breakfast this morning or snacks during Sunday school, or if you're planning to go, go to eat lunch today, or if you had breakfast and lunch, right, then you're among the, the 95% of wealthiest people in the entire world. And so part of this text, when we hear Jesus say he is the bread of life, it invites us to think about actual hunger in this world. I think about um, Gandhi who said, there are people in the world so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me and never be hungry. But sometimes our neighbors, some of whom are here today, some of whom are in our, our zip codes, some of whom are being served in Panama by our mission team right now. Sometimes our neighbors are so malnourished that they don't have enough energy to get up and come to Jesus. So the body of Christ has to take and, and feed those who are legitimately hungry. So what are we supposed to do to arrive at a place where we say Jesus is all we need in life, the primary thing that can't be reduced to ashes, to refocus our life, so I just want to share a couple things with you that our Lenten study lifts up that will help us in this way. First, we can fast. Now normally we consider fasting to involve food, but a true biblical model of fasting means we break away from whatever it is that prevents us from connecting with God and connecting with one another. So ask yourself that question. What is preventing you today from connecting with God and from connecting with those around you? What occupies your, your time at night when you lie away on your phone or your computer? Is it shopping? Is it reading blogs, social media? We can fast from that. Or maybe we need to break the cycle of routine of, of drinking coffee or alcohol or desserts or turning off the cell phone at mealtime can be a way to, to fast, to, re, to refrain from gossiping or backbiting or undermining others, or to deliberately break away from breaking the hearts of your brothers and sisters. Use that as a fast. It's all kind of things from which we can fast. Now, especially to our students, and parents, you'll appreciate this. One thing from which you can't fast is school, okay? You don't get to fast from school. You can't fast 
from church or your marriage or parenting or traffic laws or, you know, those don't count. Fasting must be a challenge. It must be sacrificial because the idea is to draw our attention away from satisfying ourselves to be filled and nourished by the bread of life. Pope Francis offers some wonderful ideas to fast during Lent. He says, fast from hurting words and say kind words. Fast from anger and practice patience. Fast from worrying and trust God. Fast from complaints and contemplate simplicity. Fast from grudges and fast to reconciliation. Fast from talking. Noted. Fast to listening to the people around you. The second thing we can do, the first is to fast. The second thing that we can do is focus more on feeding than being fed. Fasting and feeding, pretty good metaphor for a complete life of the disciple of Christ. And that's incredibly difficult, friends, because unfortunately we, we've become a consumer society. We, we'd rather be fed than to feed. It's tough. So how do we get to a place of satisfaction and nourishment in our lives and in our church, emptying ourselves out in order to be filled up? We make room for God so that, so that we can pour ourselves out for others. So I'll leave you with this challenge this week. Two things. Here's your challenge for the week. One, challenging you to fast from eating any bread all week. You can have some at lunch. Today's a feast day. Somebody was asking me that at the early service. Fast from eating any bread this week and focus on the bread of life. Let the next piece of bread that you eat be communion here next Sunday morning. Secondly, in your fasting from, from bread, pray for those who are hungry, but then be an answer to that prayer by providing bread for those who are truly hungry. What we're doing th throughout the season of Lent is having communion, and our offering rail goes to those who are suffering from uh, the tornadoes in Dallas County and, and Otago County. And so your financial resources collected here every single week We'll fast from bread. Whatever you would have spent on a Subway sandwich or on a pizza, bring it here. Because in your fasting, you'll be feeding. Okay? That's our challenge. So I look forward to hearing from you this week. I look forward to hearing how your fasting and your feeding is going. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Come to me and never be hungry. Come to me and never be hungry. I'm inviting you forward today to be a church who is fed and who fasts and that feeds to the glory of God. Amen.